The following interview involves someone that I think would be the best bachelorette in all of the 20 plus seasons history. This is a girl that would look at these men square in the eyes and with a few words, one sentence, psychoanalyze them to the point where they become weak in the knees, crawl into a hole, and never, ever want to express romantic emotions for anyone ever again. She's a good friend of mine, and we're going to interview her today on Open Loops. I consider it an affront to my family that you haven't heard about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain, okay? Let me let me just lay this out for you. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And, and get this, okay? Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money, moolah, from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Open Loops, an intellectually escapist podcast for the escapist intellectual. This is a show celebrating intellectual diversions as a way of life. Conspiracy, mystery, just plain weird. It's got a rightful place here in the three ring circus of your boundless imagination. My name is Greg Bornstein. I'm your loop master. And today we have Rachel Switlick. Rachel Switlick is a performance artist, self-defense practitioner based in New York City, with her MA in performance and culture from Goldsmiths College, BFA in dance from The Ohio State University, BA in English, also from Ohio State, and certification in self-defense instruction through Krav Maga Experts. She does a lot. Uh, she's performed internationally in the Czech Republic. Uh, she she won an award at the City of Prague for an original co-choreographed duet in 2012s. Uh, 12s. Um, she holds an undefeated amateur Thai boxing record. What is that? She runs fitness debate mentorship, stage management, rock climbing, occasional fire eating. Uh, she is truly someone that does a lot now probably to be honest with you ladies and gentlemen a lot more physical activity than probably she does has done more physical activity in one Krav Maga class than I've done my entire life but that's fine because you know what that's the best part about podcasting it's a inactive activity that allows you to feel like you're taking energy uh, from, yeah, I'm going to say from, active people so that you become more active. At least that's the mental construction I put in my head so I can feel worthy of uh, being in the presence of someone as cool as Rachel in this moment. 
I'm worthy. Am I worthy? Yeah, I'm worthy. You're worthy, too, of this fantastic interview. Here she is, Rachel Swidlick. No, let's, I'm, I'm pressing record. Let's just go into this right now. We got Rachel Swidlick here talking about not being boxed in as one thing. Um, now, this is... Yeah, here's what I'm interested in, Rachel. So you're saying that people, you're either talking about your art or you're talking about the self-defense. Um, do, do all these fields that you're interested in, and you can mention all the different ones. I mean, we got like running, fitness, debate, mentorship, stage managing, dancing, Krav Maga. I mean, is there is there a common through line, you think? I've actually, with all this... Um time that we've been having and first of all hi greg i know we said that before it was recording but it's good to hear from you <laughs> good to hear uh, from you <laughs> uh so yeah so like you know when you asked me to do this and what i had basically said was like i don't know which like which rachel you want right now um and with the quarantine and all the time i've had to like sit i, I think there are some some through lines uh but like people don't like this whole like bricolage of experience, like taking things from everywhere mm. isn't something that we're taught. It's like, we're taught that, you know, even when you're in kindergarten, they're like, well, what do you, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you're supposed to yeah. give them like a thing um, versus like, well, I'm interested in blah and this, 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 and that all contribute towards blah. Um, so like, and I've always been somebody who doesn't really feel whole unless I am doing more than one thing. So like whenever I went to undergrad, I had my dance degree and was really passionate about choreographing and producing work. But I also was studying English and was like really passionate about writing and analyzing text and, and all of that as well. And I was doing both at the same time. Um, and like that hasn't really gone away. Uh, I, like you said, I do everything that you said, plus uh rock climbing um i was a math lead at one point um you know that i just learned dungeons and dragons a few weeks ago in quarantine so there's like all this what? stuff. I, I just really like to yeah it's actually really fun um <laughs> <laughs> yeah tell me about but, that how'd you even get persuaded yeah. to do that i feel like you would love that um yeah well a friend of mine like as a joke was, i was like well, what are you doing this weekend and he was like I'm going to do virtual Dungeons and Dragons with some people. Do you want to join? And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't have anything else to do. Uh, and I think he, he did just assume I was going to say no. Um, right, right. Which to, to answer is a really roundabout way to answer your question. But like, I think it's twofold. I think um, one, I kind of have this thing of like, if I don't have a really good reason to say no to something, then I usually will. So like, if someone offers me an opportunity or to try something that I haven't done before or needs my help, unless I have a, like a legit conflict or there's actually something immoral or depending on how hazardous, like a real hazard to it, I'm going to say yes. And I'm probably going to do it. Have you um, gone out with a lot so, of men, men because of this? Do you, <laughs> I don't know. I, that's what I'm wondering. Like I want, now I'm thinking about dates you've gone on. Because that's not a new experience, like to sit down and have someone ask me like, the same 15 questions that they always ask and have it be the same level of awkwardness is not, um, that's not the same thing because I have to like budget time for that. And I'm like, well, there's so many right. other things that I could do. So you're still discerning. Um, but like, yeah. So, but like, if they were like, hey, 
person I've never met, do you want to go to a, like, I don't know, a glass blowing expo? I'd probably say yes. Cause I'd be like, yeah, I've never done that before. Um, the last first date I agreed to was someone was like, there's this place that has whiskey rivers, uh, running wow. down the bar. Would you go see that? And I was like, yes. Yeah. Why would I say no to that? Um, <laughs> Dude, I totally would have third wheeled that. <laughs> it was actually great. Um, I, uh, I like was in the middle of fight training, but I was like, you know what, this can be my like cheat day or whatever. And, and we went because I didn't have a good enough reason to say no to, to whiskey rivers. Um, so like there's, that's sort of this thing of like, you know, you shouldn't shut yourself off from a conversation or an experience that could possibly grow or change you as a person in a positive way, unless there's like a real obvious reason to not take that opportunity because you never know like, I know what's going to happen if I stay home and do the same thing I did yesterday, but yeah. I don't know what's going to happen if I say yes to something that, that I don't know. And like, for like, mm. no, you know, yourself I, and like, yeah, no, I think that's <laughs> all. I, I think you have a great, uh, I mean, that's such a, mm, I, I feel like I surround myself with a lot of multidisciplinary people in general. Um, I think that's the arts in general. And like you yourself are someone who I, I feel is like that as well, where it's like, I remember first meeting you at Murder Mystery. Uh, oh, man. And, uh, I was wondering if we were going to go into this. I wonder if we were going to go into this. Your first impression was, of me being terrible still. Yeah. Yeah, still. It, well, it's like it sticks with you. You know, people's versions don't go away. Um, but it was just like, you know, I came in for this audition and, uh, the first thing I remember is you making fun of my last name. And I think you were doing it to try to break the ice now knowing you, but it was just like, okay, that's a thing. Um, but you know, I saw uh, this like weird critical director guy and I was like, that's all strange. And, uh, you were like off in the corner cause you guys had been there all day and you just didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, and then I saw you act, which was a different Greg. And then, um, you know, met Ben and uh, As Is, which is still- Love it, As Is, 50th and 10th. Go to that beer bar, it's the best. They have started, I'm really jealous because I'm in Brooklyn and I'm avoiding going into Manhattan still. And like, part of me has like been trying to like figure out a run route <laughs> to go to Hell's Kitchen from Crown Heights. Oh yeah. Just so that, cause they have these like awesome looking lunch specials and everything now. And every time I see it, I'm like, that sounds great. Um, but anyways, you know, meeting them and then your magicianship, if that's even the word <laughs> for it, I don't know, um, in your hypnotist training and then like, pretty weird, you know, yeah. all of these other, but it's like everything, I feel like for knowing you, everything that you do, um, and I've heard you say this, I listened to the podcast that you did, um, with, uh, the very first one that you did. Mm. Um, um and you know this this whole thing of like how people perceive you and this sort of like engagement with somebody else that feels like very true to who you are and like a, a, an outside of the normative uh like social introductions like you do like to have these heightened connections with people and that's right. something that you find many different ways to to put into your life including like this podcast for um, sure for and sure for me, I think the thing that, that unifies all of the things that I do, so like the way I got into um, choreographing uh, when I was just a dancer, sorry, I forgot to silence my phone. It's all good. Um, 
the the way that I got into it, it was because um, I had been writing a lot in school and I was always like one of the top students. I expressed myself a lot in class. It was easy for me to com communicate verbally, mm. but there were things that I felt like I couldn't communicate. Um, and I realized that when I made a dance and someone saw it, sometimes they could understand these things and, and they would they would get what that thing was that I couldn't communicate very well. Um, and like, like more so than that, it, it seemed like this was a way to like empower people. So the reason I wanted to communicate is because the more that we share, the more that um, we can all exist and understand like, you know, differences so that we can all like be in the same place together. And I, I think mm -hmm. I'm really, um, I, I think I get really upset when I see somebody who's not able to be themselves for whatever reason, um, whether that's a, because I also do a lot of work with um, a nonprofit that works with international artists and yeah. taking LSAT, considering law school, all of that stuff. But it's because I, I really don't like people being um, restricted or uh, misconstrued for who they are. And I think a huge part of that is being able to show these things to other people and get them to see that, you know, there is a, a an underlying humanity to everybody. And even somebody that has no similar life experience to you, you're going to have a, a way to relate. And the right. arts are a way to make that happen, which empowers people who might be being misjudged. And then in self-defense, it's like, okay, if someone's not going to try to do this, if they're going to refuse to value your humanity, then here's how you make sure that you stay empowered, that someone can't take this from you. Um, mm. And I think that, you know, some of the hobbies that I have with rock climbing and stuff are me finding that for myself, like doing things that I don't know if I can do this, let's find out. Um, and like, let's see where my limits are. And if there's a way past it, then like, in what I put my energy towards and the, the things that I pursue as work, even when I'm stage managing a show, I usually only agree if I think that this show that someone can can grow or start to understand someone else by seeing it. So right. that's kind of um, a, fr a friend of mine said it much more eloquently um, than I just spent all that time. No, no, no. This is interesting. <laughs> I uh, I think my 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 whole shtick is I really I do want people to be able to to take the existence that we have and feel as capable as possible to live that the way they want to so long as it's not harmful to anybody else yeah um, wow Rachel you know I'm wondering if your experience as a you know we were doing probably yeah we we used to uh around 2015 2016 very much more engaged in engaging strangers in nightclub and bar life we were both yeah. doing that um and one of the things that was interesting back then was, and I think we both were able to pick up in general on these kind of things, you in a different way than me, but like, I think we're both very sensitive. I mean, you've said you're, you're like a deep empath, um, very sensitive to when people aren't able to be fully authentic to themselves. Um, I find it fascinating because it's like, to me, it's usually the first thing is annoyance. Like I, 
that that's sort of like the base level maybe evil primal like i don't like this that's my gut reaction someone comes in they're not fully there's a shield there's an insecurity there's a wall they're putting up and it's like oh i i I don't like this initially and then of course to get to like a higher level of consciousness about it you have to be like well where's this person coming from why are they putting up these walls what's it gonna what aren't they expressing what's under there uh has your how do you get to a point where i mean look i talked about one of these podcasts i sometimes deliberately and you know this will like say something provocative just to like kind of poke at that balloon to see if it'll pop a little bit um but what is your relationship to that these days do you actively try to like bring a genuine side of someone out even if you just meet them casually um i think it depends on like on the circumstance and what's going on. Um, mm. I will say if, if it's a nightclub experience, it is a hugely, I mean, there's obvious differences uh, for you and I in a nightclub. Um, and like, that's a whole, and, and lately it's become much more, I mean, pre Corona, I'm not going to any like secret. Yeah. Brooklyn things. Um, but like, <laughs> right. all of that had become like, okay i'm here with my friends and friends are here to again like to let go and you know just do what they want to do and sometimes other people in that environment don't want to let that happen they like encroach on their space so that that whole place which is a whole different topic that we can get into right right that's like almost predatory and agenda driven yeah yeah Yeah, but it's funny because even um like there's times where like in again I think you're someone who always seeks to have this like deep personal connection with them Mm. and I think I'm more about like you know where are you at where am I at can we both be ourselves am I doing something that's making it harder for you to be who you want to be right now Mm. are you doing something harder for someone else to be who they want to be right now um, like is, as long as there's like respect in the space, I feel like I don't really need, like if someone doesn't want to share with me, if they have a wall up and I, you, you're right, you can like feel that, right? Like when someone's trying to hide something and mm. so long as I'm like, okay, is this like coming from a place of malice or like whatever? And if it's not, then I'm like, I usually just let it go. And like, I tend to like, you know, be really avoid, like not avoid the confrontation, but like sort of be like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's cool. Like, if I ask a question and they're super vague, then I'm like, sure, like, you know, take what they're giving me and I don't ask for more right, than that. Right, right. And I think what's funny is a lot of people have shared things with me and, like, people that do not know me well, that I am not close to, have shared, like, deep Oh, yeah. And You're like one of those people. Of, you are. Yeah. And in the process of telling me these things, they're always like, well, I've never said that before. Like the amount of times that I've heard the sentence, like I've never told anybody that before. It seems like, you know, just like, it seems like a crazy amount. So either people are lying for the cinematic effect of making the conversation dramatic. Um, right. I don't think they are. I don't think they are. Just because I'm uh, not pushing. Because, like, I genuinely, like, again, as long as you're, they're giving respect to everybody else around them, I actually don't really care. Like, if they don't want to, if they don't want to share, that's fine. If they do want to share, that's also fine. I'm not, like, so long as what I want to do and everybody else is able to do what they want to do, then, like, whatever, you know, boundaries they have, I'm totally cool with respecting. 
but for whatever reason that makes them tell me because I'm not asking. Yeah, you know, um, I was about is, to ask you about right. like what qualities you thought about yourself or do you ever think about the qualities about yourself that lets people do that, but you did kind of answer that question. So again, the the follow-up I had to that, and maybe you can still flesh out the answer, um, is is that something people should, like to me, that sounds like a great quality. It just leads to more interesting conversations, uh, but is that a quality people even should be seeking out? Like, is that uh, something you've enjoyed in your life, having people be able to, like, is that, do people look at the sidelines and they're like, why do people tell things to Rachel and not to me? Yeah, I mean, like, there was one time where uh, a job that I was doing, there was a, a client and I'd never even met the guy and, and we were working out scheduling and it was really like, I guess he had had trouble getting his schedule together and like just out of the blue he tells me like that you know he's about to go to prison for a very long time and just starts telling me his whole life story and I go to communicate with the person that's going to be working with him and he just looks like 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 just like his eyes are open his mouth drops he's like who told you that and I was like well he did he's like why and I was like I don't know I didn't (laughs) Um, and he was just like, he, he hasn't told anybody. I was told that because I'm working with him. Like I was explicitly told not to let anybody else know that he told me not to communicate this information. He's like, I don't understand why he told you. I was like, yeah, neither do I, but you know, he does next Thursday work for you. Um, right. Right. Like, I think the thing that I've learned is that like, uh, people are carrying around a lot of stuff and when when you're not someone who I think a lot of times we get into this, like, um, there's a term for it that I, that's like escaping me, but that, that whole concept of like, we all want to have the biggest problems. Like mm. when you tell me about like the stuff that's stressing you out, well, I'm like, well, that's nothing, Greg. Like, here's all the stuff that's stressing me out. And we get, even if we are sharing, we get into this, like, who's, who's got more on their plate and who's the bigger underdog. And like, when you don't do that, when like, you just, give someone space and you're like yeah that's what you do that's cool um and they share these things like i think people are carrying burdens and like when you don't ask but there's like a a lack of judgment or like competition there sometimes they want to just it's it's heavy to carry what they're carrying and they want to hand it to somebody Mm. um and and i think you know in a conversation when you have the time and the space and the energy to take that I think it's a great thing to be able to do, but I think it can also get to be too heavy. Um, like there was right. a point in um, when I was in doing my uh, undergraduate degrees that I ended up going to therapy um, and like my life was fine. Everything was going well. Like, you know, I was doing well in school. I had met a guy like just dandy, but everybody in my life was not okay. Like I, like six different people in the span of 10 days had like laid really heavy things on me about right. like, you know, one widowed, one was having suicidal thoughts. And it was just like, it was a lot. And all of them, it was like a, a confidence thing. And like, you know, I'm telling Rachel because Rachel isn't going to tell anyone else. And so I'm like, so I can't go to anybody with this, but now I'm sitting with all of their stuff. Um, and I don't know wow. that I've figured yeah. out the best way to deal with that yet. I think I'm still searching because I don't want to, you know, if someone needs help and I have the time, space and energy, I do want to be there. But at the same time, like 
you have to be careful about making sure that you still have energy for the things that you want to do and the time and space for your own uh, personal problems and whatever you're going through. And like, um, I think I've been slowly getting better at like making boundaries and respecting like, you know, okay, some of these things are bigger than I can help. And I can't expect myself to keep holding other people's things for them. Yeah. Um, Cause it will, so like I can hold it for a minute and then I'm going to hand it back to you and hopefully tell you for that or deal with it. Um, you know, like the, the amount of times that I've like referred people, like trying to get them to go to therapy for the first time or, you know, like, okay, you've talked to me about this one person in your life, like 12 times now, maybe it's time you talk to that person or stop talking mm. to them coming to me with it after it's like, is you know, this like Krav Maga clients? Are these a lot of people? No, 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 no. Um, these are just uh, like acquaintances, actually. Like, um, it's easier, I think, teaching self-defense. The, the problems that we're addressing there are, are so um, easily defined, right? Like, mm. uh, like, if we're talking about being in a situation and we're like, you know, you know me, I'm not like the biggest person in the world. I'm, and like being in a sit backs to the wall and someone is in front of you. It's like, yeah, I can totally tell you what to do when you need to address that particular situation. And like, I do get a lot of clients who have been in different circumstances. And usually the first thing we do is talk through other options to deal with what they've experienced. Hmm. And then it goes into like, okay, if you ever experience X, Y, and Z, what you do, like in this situation, here's what you do. And I think that, you know, it's that that like burden of them being scared and me taking it and then it dissipating is like very much through them learning the the skills and the training so like this is more experience when um you know i'm just in public or people are acquaintances um and like again i think it's the whole thing that because i'm not prying people decide to share um and it's like in I'm never gonna like if someone's help I'm never going to be like no or make fun of them for whatever it is um so I I I don't know like I don't know why it happened I guess I'm glad that it does like it feels like a nice thing that people um right it definitely it makes me feel special I mean at an egoic (laughs) level right it makes me be like oh they told me but yeah like I mean and there's there's a fact of like it being like an integrity check right like if someone that with you then there's a level of trust that you're not going to um you know that that they can burden with that they can show that to you that like that that's okay you see for themselves that's that's more um like in if we're translating this into like fighting um it would be like my guard down in front of you like literally if I put my in my face I'm letting you see what you can hurt me with um mm. and that I think um I think a lot of people um don't understand where those where those fears are coming from someone's not sharing information and it really is that is like what you're asking them to share with you is what makes them the most emotionally vulnerable so like yeah. when someone has a wall it's not necessarily anything against that that they're scared usually um and For that sure. they you know like the more people they share this with the more people 
Um, so until they figured out how to deal with the thing that's already hurting them in whatever way, to open themselves up to another person in, in that regard, like, you know, again, it, it, it stands to make things so much worse if that person isn't someone who can, you know, just receive that. If that person's somebody that's going to make this worse or, you know, make fun of them or insult them or belittle them, like, it, I get the fear. Um, it makes sense because yeah. I'm the same in that regard with who, who I share. Um, certain things that like might be bothering me with because that does make me more vulnerable to that person. Um, right. Well, you're yeah. a very persuasive person. You are, um, <laughs> and, or at least <laughs> What I want to be. <laughs> yes, yes. You usually, well, you usually, you do it, you do a pretty good job of at least getting, you move people uh, in certain directions. And, you know, it makes me question sort of my outgoing philosophy with regards to how long people are willing to keep people in their lives before just cutting them off. And here's what I mean. There are two separate paths and, and I've kind of gone through both in my life. One is you're with a person and you do see something great in that person. And for some reason, you have enough pride in yourself that you believe you have some sort of, I mean, you know, some, I don't know, uh, tools of manipulation, maybe, but 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 for, like for the better, because you you can somehow get them, sway them into being who they really are, their best version of themselves, because you perceive you know better. Difficult. That seems strenuous. That can take a lot of time. That person may never change. And also, like, who's to say you know what's right? But that's one path. The other path is you offer your truth or you, you don't offer your truth and you hope they're going to change, but you can offer your truth and be like, okay, let's, um, let's, I'm going to let this person know how I feel about my time with them. I'm going to let them know what's going on for me. And if they don't change ever, you just got to have to let them go. If they, if they keep bothering you, you just have to. And to me, I'm like, that feels more, more, that feels like it, like you said it come this comes from more integrity it seems like it's like i'm not gonna let this person in my life if uh you know i'm not gonna take on that burden of like changing someone so also the like you know in a way the selfishness of taking on someone as a project to change but i'm also looking from a from my view i'm like oh my gosh if that was the case how many people would i just cut out of my life like I would just cut out so many people, I bet. Like I can filter people quickly, um, which from, again, makes me question whether I'm like not giving people a fair shot sometimes too. I'm sure it's a little bit of both. Um, so in conclusion, what are your thoughts on people projects versus making the conscious decision that maybe this person is not vibrating at the same frequency and you are, and that's okay. Um, you're just going to let them go? Um, well, I think a few things. I think I'm, you know, I'm a 29-year-old person who was, you know, like have had certain advantages in life and certain disadvantages. And like, while I've lived in a few different places and like, and I've, I have like a few degrees that have trained me certain things, I like by no mm. means think that I know, I know thing, um, that I always know better. Um, and like, especially with what's been going on in the world, um, something that 
I always, the, the times that I should intervene, um, again, are when someone, when the choices someone's making in their own life um, are somewhat either inconsiderate or into others. So like if you know set yourself on fire and like whatever so long as everybody else is at a safe distance like that is your choice i can why you shouldn't do that um and yeah right always for people like you know seeing the bad themselves but um then like they're, they're i'll usually say a comment or they're holding has some sort of moral wrong to it so like i recently got blocked on facebook from a who is over twice my age um mm. because i pointed out that the way that she was speaking about people who had been brutalized police showed a lack of compassion and this is someone who holds very strong pro-life views you know where is your concern where's your compassion right and uh this led to a long conversation um, but you know, people don't always like that. And I think what's important is that you stay true to like, you know, your own vibrations to use your word, but like, and I don't know, I like that you have it in two paths, but I never look at it that way where like, I, I, I see it more of like a solar system kind of. Mm, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Paint that picture for me. And you know, there's people that are like in your atmosphere. And I only want to have people in my atmosphere, the people that are closest to me, that are going to make my atmosphere and my ecosystems as healthy as possible. So like the people that I consider friends, um, the people that I think of as family or like, you know, those types of people are people that I would like go out of my way for, that I would like drop everything if they needed something. They're all people that I think are, you know, doing good in the world. And um, I feel like a person because I know them. I feel like I grow from the connections together that it feels very much supporting like a happy and healthy um, the whole atmosphere and ecosystem. And then, you know, you have these people that orbit around you that don't really ever touch you, um, but they affect how much light you see. And these are people that you can like try mm. to help or try to not help. You know, maybe they're like mentors that you occasionally like reach out to, um, but you know, you're not that close to, and maybe some of them are people to you. Um, and you have this sort of like, there's a distance here, right? You're not in my, you're not in the people that like are, are feeding me and I'm feeding them, but, but we're, we're, we are related by each other. Um, and then, you know, it goes like, like shoot through like an asteroid and just come through <laughs> yes. your life. And sometimes it can be a huge mess and others like a beautiful shooting star that you can make a wish on. And, mm. you know, those are also important, right? They, they can make an impact and they can be different, even though they're not something that exists. So, you know, you have these, these constants and these layers of circles and distance and like how close, how far, how affected by you am I? Are you in your own solar system and I can just see you? Play? And then you have these other things that through and do change you, or maybe you, maybe they don't. Um, but like, I think that a relationship can be just as valuable if it's two seconds long as it could if it's a hundred years long. And I, I think that like, you know, if you think about the whole asteroid analogy here, it's like for a particular place, like that can have way more of an effect than like the rain that comes every few months. Have you like had a meaningful two second relationship? Um, I feel yeah, like you must I have. have. 
I have had several actually. Um, I've had people who just like, um, my mom always tells this story. It was more than two seconds, but like when I was a little kid and I got sick on the funeral and we pulled over and this man that owned a gas station, like, uh, let us into his home. He like, let us use it. I, I mean, I got really disgustingly, like, I think it was five years old, like made a huge mess everywhere. Um, and he just helped. Hmm. And then, um, my mom were hard, like dealing with the fact that relative of hers that passed and he's, he noticed we were dressed up. Um, and he's like, Oh, well, we, where are you headed? And she's like, Oh, we're going to a funeral. And he said, well, there's lots of grace at weddings. And, and uh, with a smile, and she goes, well, I'd rather be going to a wedding. And he's like, mm, there's lots of grace at weddings and funerals. And then mm. to this day, she swears that literally disappeared. Um, like, you know, she turned, turned back, and then he wasn't there anymore. Um, but I have had those moments. Yeah, right. Um, oh, that's but good I have stuff. Moments, right. Uh, there was like this one um when I came back to New York City after living in London I was on crutches and uh that I can give you a whole thing about the culture of New York City versus London from that experience but we won't get into that what I will say (laughs) is uh, exiting the subway I had to go upstairs um and it was during rush hour and I saw this elderly woman with a cane who was struggling to get up the stairs and people were zooming all around her and like, I was, you know, the rest of me, is, it was pretty, I had a broken knee. So I went right behind her so that there was something slightly, she was very like crouched over a little old woman. So that there was something slightly more in their way and that they'd run into me before they'd run into her. Mm-hmm. And a- after the first few steps up the stairwell, just this like boy and man beside me. And it makes me really uncomfortable because they're, they're instead of like, you know, they're, they're not moving at the pace of the rest of the people beside us. They're moving with us up the stairs. Um, and I can feel someone else behind me just like patiently waiting. And I'm like, what the, like, am I about to get, like, are they going to try to mug me? Are they trying to mug this old woman? Like what, what's going on? Right. And we get up there and the, the man and the boy and the, the woman that was behind me, they, the woman comes over to the man and the boy. And she just says to them, all right, they're up the stairs. We can leave. And I realized that, I chose where I was putting myself in the world in that little trip to protect that old woman. And then this family chose where they put themselves in the world to protect me and the old one. And it was this beautiful moment of like, you know, they didn't say anything to me. That wasn't, the woman didn't talk to me. She was talking to her husband and son and I just overheard it. I didn't say anything to the woman, but it was like, yeah, we're all in the space together. Isn't it better if no one gets hurt? Um, And like, they didn't do down you know maybe the extra 10 seconds up the stairs or whatever um but you know it did mean a lot and like i don't know if i could have gotten plowed over had they not like flanked us to protect us it it was just you know a really nice moment of like oh yeah people are paying attention um you know they are making sure you're okay um and i've tried to do that for other people but i'm not going to tell those stories because that feels like incredibly narcissistic um but in this right, right. span of time of having, having that broken leg, um, broken knee, whatever, um, I was also on a bus and uh, I had told, there, there weren't many seats and this, you need to sit down. I was like, no, I'll, I'll be okay. And then like it stops. And as she's getting off the bus, um, a seat opens, she's telling everybody else on the bus to let me have the seat as she's getting off. And like, 
second interaction, but I was like, wow, okay. Like, I feel like someone actually cares about the people that are around them. Like she didn't have to do that. She gained no benefit from doing that. And it was just, you know, it was again, a two second interaction. Uh, John Slattery, who, uh, wow, if I ever have a name for myself or you do, it'll be funny that I dropped his name in here. Uh, yeah, wait a minute, it's a madman, yes. Yeah. I've ran into him twice one time fangirl thing because I actually yeah he's he's on the list of like uh much older men that I'm like there is some charisma about you that is like really really awesome and he's just a talented actor um and the second time I ran into him we were stuck up against the doors in a train going from Brooklyn to Manhattan that had been delayed for forever so it was like packed um and through the ride this other man has his arm up on the pole and like this man's armpit is right in john slattery's face and so we're like smashed together and both of us are on our phones like playing little card games not talking and you know as we're getting off uh actually like stays and makes sure that i get out that there's like a, a path to get out too because he sees that i'm also leaving mm. for made sure that there was space for me to get off because I'm a smaller person. It is harder to push through. Um, and I just was like, I hope that guy wore deodorant today. And he laughed and we went on with our day. It's like, it, that one's a nice one. And I do, it sticks out because it was, you know, Dave that I um, love to watch on screen. But also because like, again, this is some definitely does not need anything from me and like had the consideration to make sure that I wasn't hurt getting off of this subway. How do we get um, you dating like, John Slattery? That's what oh, I want to know. Oh, if we find a way to make that happen, I would totally go for that. Um, I think he's married or something. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> he probably is. I feel like that'd be perfect for you. <laughs> he, oh, yeah. I, mean, I, would, I would love that. It would be awesome. Um, he seems like a great guy from, again, the two five-second interactions that I've had with him. Um, yeah. But, uh, like, it's it's just that. Like, I really think the thing that upsets me the most is when I watch people be completely inconsiderate of somebody else. Mm. So when I see someone just, like, like, not even intentionally, because I feel like if you're setting out to, like, actively hate somebody else, like, there's at least some level of thought in that, which sounds really messed up. But like to watch someone just go about their day, like other people don't matter. It, it like, there is nothing that makes me like more upset. Um, and right. like, it's, it's just, it's such a thing that like will instantly send me on a rant. Um, and like, you know, anytime I, I witness that happening, it just really, really is upsetting. So I think the flip side of that are the times that stand out to me aren't the times that people are making like grand gestures of of kindness or whatever it's these these moments where it's like oh yeah you exist in this space i can do something to make this a little less difficult for you so i am and it's like and you know i i so appreciate that like there can that that does exist and i feel like if we just did that more <laughs> things wouldn't be yeah. so bad because it'll expand these larger things right um this the, I think that's the most beautiful thing about New Yorkers is like as busy as we are, and as chaotic as it is here, people are looking out for each other um, by and large in my- What kind of people life. aren't in New York? The tourists? Um, the tourists and 
I will be one of these one day, but uh, older <laughs> white women. Um, older white women. I don't want to point to, I just see it like disproportionately, I will say. And like, again, there's- You I heard it here, folks. Lovely, I know lots of lovely older white women that I haven't met for. However, I feel like- um, I've been thinking so much about this, actually. Um, oh, please. I, I, feel, I feel like, um, so like what I started saying earlier in this about how a lot of times when we have interactions, it becomes of this like, well, I have it harder. And like, oh, you, you haven't dealt with what I've dealt with. Like, I'm doing so much more than you. I'm working so much harder than you. And it becomes mm. like a leap. Um, and like, I feel like, you know, being a woman is not the easiest thing in the world in contemporary society. Um, you are marginalized. Uh, like there are things that happen to you. There are um, threats to your physical safety that you're subjected to purely because you are a woman by other people that do them for the fact that you are a woman and mm. that you do, um, and exist. Like that, that is a real thing. Um, I have experienced it. I have seen plenty of other people that experienced it. I've also read the statistic. Well, that is true. Um, right, and I right. Think when you are subjected to a reality where you've had to feel lesser than or unsafe for one part of yourself, it's easy to ignore this other part of yourself that gives you privileges and advantages. And so like the, the part of it of like, yeah, I am a woman, but I'm also still white. Like no one thinks I'm going to, steal something off the rack right now like the the store clerks aren't mm. watching me super closely you know i'm not subjected to these other judgments based off of race and like once you're older you have this grace of like no one thinks like there's a respect for older people so like no one views you as a threat no one views you as a criminal no one views you as anything that's gonna you know do any harm um and right. i think it's easy again because because you are especially uh, when we think about like what, what those women grew up in and the world that they grew up in, you have felt and, and been subjected to hardships based off of your um, gender identity. And I think it's harder for them to empathize or accept the fact that it doesn't discount other people who have struggles and that we've gotten used to using our voice and uh, speaking to people in because that's the way patriarchy works to advocate for us so the whole like mm. Karen trope of calling the police is because like that was one way that women found to like white women found to empower themselves within the patriarchy is like okay well I I don't have power in this I have the ear of people who have the power and out right. of respect for me in the system they're going to do what I want them to do um, and there's a way that they look at me there's a way that they perceive me as this like damsel that they can save and out of necessity i think when white women use that to their advantage sometimes but i think it's i think it's become a thing where they are ignorant of the harm that that causes to other people mm. and we're disconnected from that and so like i think again like understanding like yeah you've been through some stuff other people have been through stuff and like it's not this it's not this battle it's understanding that like everybody things and like you have people that you go to for help when you need it and so you should try to be that person for other people so like being the person that like 
calls the cops on the kids being loud on the street, like be the person that stands there when the cops are called and make sure nothing happens to your street. Like, you know, use your, use your position for these like ways that you can intervene and like be more considerate. Um, you know, like I do know that they're gonna speak to me, exclusively speaking, generalizing the demographics that like I'm gonna be able to speak to an authority figure differently than like the minority uh, teenagers in my community. Um, that that yeah. there's going to be a different treatment there. So like when I see these things or like I see an altercation start, I sh should, if I can, with my own safety, stop and just be present. Um, and like things that we can like, and this is off a huge tangent, um, but like. Now I want to hear you know, more about what older white women are doing wrong. Like that's, I mean, I, the thing is like. It's like ignorance. Like, is that really sort of, or just sort of not even ignorance? But like, just, it's, it's also just like, you're so, they're so like hurt by the things that they've been to and that, that those haven't been addressed. Um, yeah. Like uh, in New York city, uh, like again, this is the, the most like statistical getting on my soapbox. I'll get with you. I think. Um, uh, <laughs> the, the, it seems to always happen. It, well, it's, it's in my nature. Um, the Department of Investigations did a study on the SVD, which is the Sexual Victims Department of the NYPD, back in mm. 2018, um, which, like, these investigations are very thorough. They take a really long time, so this is the most updated information we have. Um, now, mind you, it just came out that the NYPD budget last year was $6 billion. Um, right. I, I wow. think it was probably comparable the year before. Um, but the SVD, so the Sexual Victims Department, is drastically understaffed and underfunded and has been for like nearly a decade. If you report a sexual assault, this are will not be investigated, let alone solved. Um, unless you are fortunate enough to be raped by someone that you don't know and it gets a lot of media coverage, most rapes done by that you know uh, will not be investigated. <laughs> like it, it's gonna sit in a pile and they're not gonna get to it. Um, try to file a report because my friend and I had been uh, drugged and I was told that I didn't have evidence to file a report to report being drugged in a public place in New York City and I called precincts to find out wow. later that that's like directly breaking protocol to refuse to, to to file the report that they what they should have done is called me to the police precinct run a toxicology screening and file the report um, but instead I was told I had to investigate it myself before the police would intervene which is just like absolutely ludicrous um so yeah. in a six million dollar they can't find the manpower or the time or the resources to keep women safe um but let alone they can uh, i was running during the, the time that we had curfew in new york city and it was like 7 40 and a car went by and someone said something and then the next thing i know there's like two um black police officers Officers. And the black and their hands up in the air, like saying, you know, basically we didn't do anything. There's people sitting on their stoops being like, you know, it's not even curfew. They lived here, they live here, we've all lived here 47 years, like leave them alone. And then and the men are not being hostile or aggressive. They are unarmed. I can see both sets of hands. Um, and next thing I know, there are dozens of cop cars and probably about 30 officers on the scene. Wow. Um, wow. For two men who are, again, not being violent, not being aggressive, and from posing no severe threat. So the NYPD can call in dozens of reinforcement for that, 
but they can't take the five minutes to file the report of me being drugged in a public place in New York City. Wow. So, okay. Know, women are um, our well-being after these things that happen to us are not treated the same as like anything that involves money whatsoever. Um, my my is not of a paramount. And I've heard horror stories from women who have tried to report sexual assault and rape to the NYPD. Um, I've, I've, I've heard like just awful experiences of trying to go and do that. Um, so we're not being protected. We're not safe. We still have issues. And these older white have been dealing with this for quite some time. And they've gotten whatever they've gotten in spite of it, in spite of a lack of security, a lack of support, and a lack of understanding. Um, so it makes it hard for them to to like really advocate for someone else i think because no one someone looked out for them um yeah. you know they feel like no one no one cares about my stuff so why should i care about their stuff um when in reality if we fixed the issues with uh racism systemic systemic racism in the police force they wouldn't send for two unarmed black men. And then there might be one available if the police report the next time I'm dropped. So these problems are connected. And like, yeah. it goes back to the concept of like, if I'm more considerate of those around me, they're going to be more considerate of those around them. And this is only better for everybody. But I think once you've experienced someone neglecting you, you're more likely to act that way. And like, it, you know, it all of these things are cyclical. So it's just like, sort of you have to set aside your own your own hurt for a minute and like realize that you know one does not negate the other and that everyone's better off if you just start being more you know more of a beacon to others and like less of a siren for your own issues um so that's kind of my little mantra so interesting so who do we we don't like the nypd we hate white women. <laughs> I didn't say older that. white women. I didn't say that. <laughs> I know. I, didn't say that. <laughs> I um, what I will say, and I have some very, very good friends who are very amazing police officers. Um, some of them I've checked in with. Um, my uncle was in until he retired, um, and I have immense respect for people who are choosing a profession for the sake of the, the fact that they want they want to feel like their other people feel. Um, and that you literally put it in their lives at risk in that. Um, and I, I do think that there are definitely a lot of cops that, that that is a true statement that, you know, they still are doing this for those reasons. They're not, right. you know, bad people. They, again, like one of them is a really good friend of mine, uh, one, a cop that's a really good friend of mine. I had a long talk with him about, and, um, I think, again, the problem is that you can seek to do all the good in the world that you want, but if the system that you're in is broken, yes, is a mechanism for pain and discrimination, you can't do good. So like as much as it is for uh, minorities and for women and um, for immigrants, as, as important as it is for those populations that policing is fixed, it's also important for the good cops because they can't they can't do their job and it puts them at heightened risk as well because the system is not working the way it should. Um, they wouldn't be at such a substantiated risk if we reworked the way everything was. Um, yeah. And they would, 
they would be better at doing the thing that they want to do because they wouldn't have to be like, you know, the way that New York City is zoned, everything, it's just like, it's stacked against them to actually do any good. Um, Rachel, tell me uh, this. The, the, sorry, sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, I just know. No, I just as, <laughs> no, no. I, I, I think uh, <laughs> you have so much to talk about, but I wanted mm-hmm. to, before like we wrap, I wanted to know about, well, first of all, you're starting a podcast, which, what is your podcast yeah. going to be about? Um, ironically, with how much I just said about older white women, <laughs> this title is uh, called uh, White Girl Problems. Um, oh my gosh. So we <laughs> decided, uh, this is me and a, a really good friend of mine who's like absolutely brilliant and empathetic and also just a badass. Um, we had a, a moment in a club where like both of us were trying to step in to address a situation <laughs> that was made, and it were like, it was it was just funny because we were both trying to be the person that like protects the rest of the group um right. so we have a similar mind in that regard but like very differing perspectives on a lot of things and um i i think what we're talking about exploring is like some of these big ideas like uh talking about like you know uh white people's relationship with with race and like uh where that sits us as white women um, talking about like safety and like things that, cause something that's come to my attention. Um, and actually I, I, I've used you as an example before. Greg, <laughs> oh, actually. great. Uh Oh, okay. <laughs> there was a day that you and I were, I, we were at as is, which is like the second plug for as is, but it deserves a million plugs. So that's fine. 50th and um, 10th. Yeah. Uh, I hope is just, <laughs> I don't know. I I'm sure Judson's still were, I don't, who knows? <laughs> just the best bartender I've ever met so um but anyways uh we were at as is and you had had some some dates and you were talking about New York women <laughs> and how we're so mean and we can't take a joke and uh, and you were upset so I, I understand and I take these things with a grain of salt but I was I said uh, like joke to break the ice or to provoke somebody like you said you like to do um I said Greg like I I know you and I know you're saying those things in jest but you understand that like that woman has dealt with that all day long before she's got to that date with you. Like, and a lot of the times it's been said to her have not been in jest. It's someone intentionally like trying to make her feel small or scared or like we were having a serious conversation and you were like, went back and forth about it. You're still like, ah, I don't know. Da, 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 da. And it was like, like, great. It's constant. <laughs> like it's every day. And right. constant. And I love that you're doing an just, impression of me. It's part of this. That's great. Um, I was like, and, and, and you're like, you're like, ah, no, I don't know. And like, it's just, you know, you guys are just so mean and I was just making a joke. And like, then we, and like, you don't understand, like men do this in a really terrible way every day. Like you don't see it because they won't do it in front of you. And as we're leaving the bar, there's a drunk gentleman outside who literally lifts up his shirt the whole way and starts belly dancing in front of me and says something really lewd. And you're like, what the, and I'm just like, no, that's what happened. Like, that's not, and I, I, I remember like gesturing towards him and being like, the worst thing in the last three hours. Um, like, this is constant for us. Like, that is our reality. Um, and like, you know, so we, we want to talk about these things to me that like, you know, men don't know that. They don't know that a lot of times women like have to do their headphones in and leave the music off because we don't want people to approach us and they will if we have our headphones out 
but music, then it's not safe because I can't around me. That like there's stuff that, that particularly women in urban environments do to keep themselves safe every day. And like yeah. so walk through, you know, those things, but then also through things that like, you know, how can we, um, I think people need to start thinking about their own demographic, talking to, to those people to sort of, you know, help or help themselves through like their similar experiences while we work to like bridge gaps and understand people that are different than us that have very different um, backgrounds. So that's kind of why we called it like white girl problems where it's like, yeah, we're both, that was the one commonality between me and my co-host for this, Margo. Um, and so that's, thing is it's, it's like, you know, I don't want it to be, we kept being like, I don't want it to just be another podcast of two white girls complaining about things we're like well but it is that but let's be smart we do it and like actually be tactful in the way that we use again like ours and who we're speaking to in this Mm, well look it is if not for the wisdom and guidance of uh white girls like you rachel uh i would not have learned better about all these things i mean even in uh, I, I, like you definitely have guided me uh, my eyes have opened up to the problems in the world a lot more and i always know i can do better so uh i appreciate everything you've um, out to me and then other things i have going on working on a few camps this summer virtually um one is a dance debate and theater camp uh, that's awesome through my uh friends organization um it's working i think we mainly the age bracket is like nine to 13 but yeah sort of like finding to learn how to use your voice to advocate for something and then finding ways to like express your more open with yourself at the same time well that's um, great of another, yeah oh, i know i'm trying to like Speed up the other <laughs> your speed bundling. I was gonna give you the whole plugs. I'm a, I was about to drop all your plugs in. <laughs> oh yeah, give me. There's one more that I don't think I told you about. We're doing a, a cultivation, like a small group um, session for uh, adolescents 11 to 14, and that one's with a um, a social worker and a nutritionist dietitian uh, who's a special. Um, in a lot of younger uh, women in particular, but also people in the community. Um, and what we're doing is we're doing like uh, body image work, self-esteem movement exercises and things sort of help them explore a healthy relationship themselves and the world and themselves and their physical selves. Um, different things. Uh, I know I have, uh, you have other plugs there. <laughs> now, well, here's what I was gonna say, first of all, you can learn more about her podcast. I'm sure you, once it comes out, you're going to be promoting it on your Instagram at our swiddles uh, for Krav Maga, which we didn't even really get into the depth. Yeah. Of. We can bring you on another um, time for that. Krav Maga experts.com. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they are doing this right now. Um, we're starting trainings in the park and obviously following all of the guidelines and then some for safety. Um, but what's great about it being virtual is like we now have training like on all the coast. Somebody that was in Montreal in class yesterday, um, and it it's kind of it's kind of able to like share this with people from like room because um, I'm really passionate about it. If you ever want to learn some stuff, Greg can Zoom video. It. 
Sure. Uh, yeah. Also, your most recent performance art piece at underscore oh, yes. Eat My yes. Heart Out. Why are you doing so much? Uh, I've never had a guest with this many um, plugs. <laughs> this is good. Because, again, like, I feel like I, um, when I see a problem, I want to attack it from every different perspective. That's and, awesome. Like, I really people need to learn how to connect and express themselves and advocate for themselves and others. And so like learning defense, uh, teaching kids uh, movement and self-expression and how to use their voice. Um, and then this performance art project, it's like an exploration of past uh, relationships told through baked goods. Um, so I also bake, that's another thing that you know about me that and what I did is I uh, solicited recipe submissions from people for um, things that they baked for someone who was in their life that is no their life for whatever reason. Um, and I needed the recipe of the person who it was baked for's first name and the nicest thing they can ever remember that to them. They, they could tell me how how they how it ended how they ended up disconnecting and so then I baked all of the things and we did a gallery and I was there baking something else while the gallery was happening and had a mall to commemorate wow. not very uh, like it shouldn't be a too hard of a get of like you know there was something um in this relationship but like I'm not going to eat cake from the floor um, right right you know this had its time and its place and like it was so good wedding but you know now is not the time and place for it and i i can let that go and i can make something else like i can i can there's there can be something else i'm sure that person is doing something else but like i can still remember that and like whole was about it even though there's something bitter there um if that makes sense so um, I was going to restage this in May in New York City, and then everything, you know, happened uh, with pandemic. So as soon as we are able to be in a space and have like walkthrough exhibitions, we'll be restaging that. But the photos are being set up online with the um, with the little recipe cards, um, and yeah, it's just another way for people to like try to connect and share what they've been through. Awesome. So cool. Well, look, Rachel, I love talking to you again. You are always, you've always got great, fascinating views. So uh, you'll probably school me. If I'm on your podcast, I'm sure I'm going to have these two white women schooling. (laughs) (laughs) She'll be great. I think think, um, I have another friend that's like, uh, well, to me about uh, different social issues because I also I have my master's in performance and a slight little background in sociology and um, he'll ask me about these things and then apologize and I'm like no we're having a conversation like if you weren't honest with me about how you felt then there's nowhere for us to go with this yeah honest open conversation or we might as well just not talk because they're, they're really, if we're going to put up pleasantries in fronts and there's nowhere you can grow from that. Um, so I always appreciate that while sometimes it comes off a certain way that, <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> I know that whatever you're telling me about what you think about the world is never guised. And if I say something that like, I think for better or worse, that is something that you definitely of just like, 
sharing what you really think and not never coming from a place with it just being like that is your perspective uh, of course of course your brain the second i mentioned john slattery is like how do we get rachel to date john slattery like that's the way <laughs> framework i appreciate like all of that or um, i'm still waiting just that you're talking about for the bachelorette ever uh, you, you need know, to be on the bachelorette you'd be the most interesting one we need like a smart <laughs> perspective on these people like i think it would be i think it would be really great for america to see that i would 100 percent do it i just don't know if america's ready to see that many grown men cry um, <laughs> <laughs> rachel switlick ladies and gentlemen rachel thank you so much for coming on i appreciate it great <laughs> Take care. We'll talk soon. Ah, uh, yes. Gentlemen, you think you can take her on? I don't mean in a fight. I mean in a relationship. Because we are going to put her on that show. We'll see what you're really made of. I mean, you have John Slattery's gentleman-like nature to compete with. Turns out she likes she likes a good, intelligent man who has manners. And uh, I was reminded a lot of that in our friendship. I was also reminded a lot about, you know, misguided views of the world that I had. And, and uh, this is a very pleasant conversation because it was far less of the... Uh, smacking me in the face of my ignorance then uh, you know I might be prone to with Rachel at a at a normal night at the as is uh, craft beer bar in Hell's Kitchen that we were so prone to going to back of the day uh, yes I can't wait to go back go back to the city have a drink and uh, you know bring up something else and have Rachel gloriously correct me when I'm heightened with energy by the night stimulation around me um now look as is doesn't necessarily like it's a calming atmosphere but but my inner world when i when i'm in these situations is is brought to life with these social possibilities who am i gonna bring into my orbit uh gosh i love that metaphor the solar system idea having a profound connection with someone for a few seconds and then they're gone it's like these podcasts. I bring someone on, I interview them, I feel close to them, episode's over, may never speak to them again. It's a very weird thing we're doing, right? I mean, this is like, what? You, you talk to someone, and you want to keep going, and it's like, are the only people you ever talk to and want to keep talking to the people you fall in love with? Like, is a podcast, is a relationship just a permanent podcast without a mic? Who knows? Rachel, thank you for bringing that up in me. And thank all of you for listening. If you like it, please go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, leave a review. It always is helpful. Uh, for all of you, you don't have to listen to me. But just know, I'm willing to keep the conversation going with you. Heart. You. Take care, everybody. <laughs>